Good evening and welcome to the Marriage Reform Prayer Call. My name is Kim Moore and I'm excited that you have decided to uh, join us tonight as we take part in a divine makeover, the divine makeover of marriage. And I was saying just before we went live here and started recording that there's so many husbands and wives that, that really need a divine intervention. And um, that's why we're here. That's why we do what we're doing. We believe that God has given us revelation knowledge. And inside of that revelation is the grace to think and behave differently to the blessing of the marriage relationship. Well, for those joining us for the first time, we believe that kingdom marriage is the answer to what ails husbands and wives and undermines the purpose and power uh, to carry out God's assignment in their lives. We believe kingdom marriage, and that is those, uh, kingdom marriage uh, meaning those principles and concepts that transcend gender, that transcend roles, that transcend needs, uh, those things that result in the kingdom being established in the heart of God's people. Well, as many of you know, last Saturday we were in Alabama with Chris and Brenda Lucas. Some of you know them from the morning prayer call and Veronica Clark. Uh, we prayed on the steps of the state capitol in Montgomery and uh, Amy, do you want to, like, chime in and maybe just kind of give an update and what happened? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. It, it was truly amazing. It was a beautiful day and just there was something about being on the Capitol steps, just being there. You could feel the weight of the government. And then to be praying the kingdom and just, it, it was an experience where it was like you could feel the kingdom and, and the spirit and the higher level, the kingdom being higher over the government. Just, it was so amazing. It was an experience. We were all united in prayer and um, we started off by blowing the shofar and, and, and singing and truly it was a time where you could just um, feel the unity that we were all one in spirit and praying towards the one goal, you know, of, of marriages. And it was just really amazing. Um, hard to describe just to be there, just the yeah. unity we had and just the, the presence of God. And, um, oh, it was so amazing. It really is hard to describe. You know, when the kingdom is present, things happen. When Amy, I remember we went to the restaurant and we were just talking, and I think Veronica began singing, and the waitress came over to the table, and I don't even know what happened. It's not We didn't really say anything to her, but, I mean, she just started bawling, just started crying. Do you recall that? I mean, it was... Oh, yeah, that was probably just the most powerful that that happened right after prayer. And after prayer, um, the Lord had given a vision of just things happening quickly. And when we were at the restaurant, Veronica just sang, actually, it was a piece of Unchained Melody, you know, uh, the song Unchained Melody. And it was just, she just sang for a moment, and the waitress just started crying. And we asked if we could pray with her, and she said, no, I was just touched 
by your spirit. And she just started just weeping and you could see where the spirit had touched her. And literally it was less than a minute. Like it was so fast. And just to see that God used his spirit just through uh, Veronica, just singing um, a little bit. And she was so moved and brought us cookies, uh, some of her uh, Girl Scout cookies. She just wanted to thank us. She's like, thank you for being here. And it was so amazing to see that, you know, not to miss it, that we were there just eating and, and, and chatting and we had just had this prayer and, and just to see how God moved and touched her right there and just to see that it was him because it was nothing we were doing. It was just, you know, follow through from the prayer. Oh, it was so powerful. So, so you mean we didn't have an evangelism program. We didn't go into the restaurant. <laughs> let's see who we can minister to. Uh, wait, let, wait, let's see if anybody needs anything. We were just being ourselves. We were being kingdom citizens, and God made his presence known as we sat at that table enjoying him and someone else was affected and impacted to the point of crying tears wanting to bring us cookies. And so I fully believe that if we would just teach and preach the kingdom, that the uh, revival and the things and the souls we desire to see come to the Lord would have no trouble getting to him because they will see him as we display the kingdom of God. So I'm excited about Delaware. I, I just think it gets better and better from here, and uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the call. Let's just um, jump into this with, with prayer. Father, we just love you because you first loved us. We thank you for Jesus Christ because while we were steeped in sin, He died for us to demonstrate just how much you and him loved us and to give us the opportunity to be reunited with you, even through him. And so, Father, we thank you tonight that you chose us. We didn't choose you. You chose us first, and we accepted. And so, Father, tonight we offer you our love. Again, not because we loved you first, but because you first loved us. We have the ability and the opportunity to love you back. And so we love you back tonight, God, and we thank you. And we're just so grateful that you have chosen us to take part in the divine life that was in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the gift of repentance and revelation and that you made us to be lovers of truth. And Lord, we just thank you that you give us grace tonight to yield to truth, even when truth hurts, God. We thank you, Father God, for choosing us to take part in the divine makeover of marriage that you have ordained for such a time as this, God. We thank you, Lord. We praise you and we give you glory that as husbands and wives, Lord, receive the divine makeover. They will experience more freedom, more love, and more power the way you originally intended, and greater works will they do than either one of them could do alone. Now, Father, help us tonight by giving us hearing ears and an understanding heart that you might be glorified in our lives as we seek to serve you in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before I get started, this this has been on my uh, heart just throughout the day, and I just feel impressed to just share it. And I said a little bit on the morning call, but 
I just wanted to share it real quickly. It's with repentance and revelation. And many of us in marriage have experienced broken promises. You've said, I'll never do that again. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. I'll never do that again. And, you know, a week might go by, but, well, there it is again. You, we just did again what we said we wouldn't do. And I know there may be many reasons for that. But one of the things that, that I would suggest is I think in some of those instances, there truly is, the husband and wife truly is, has a godly sorrow and are truly broken and contrite about this, this thing that they have done. And yet, there's no new revelation that accompanies that sorrow. And so in order to do something different, you have to see something different. And so we have to see differently, and seeing has to do with revelation, God's revealed word to us. And one of the things we like to do on this call, we like to pray, and we like to reveal. We like to share the revealed word of God so that you will have the strength and handles and the ability to take part with God until you see something new in your own life and in your relationship. And we're seeing changes. We are seeing changes. I hear from husbands and wives uh, who are experiencing personal change as they hear kingdom marriage. And so I just wanted to share that with you. Don't beat yourself up if you broke your promise. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he'll rise again. And so I believe that if your if revelation will accompany your repentance, you will gain the the understanding, and the grace to think differently and to behave differently, and you won't have to keep repeating the cycle. Well, we've been talking about the differences between religious marriage, uh, that is man-made marriage, and kingdom marriage. And we know that any time God creates something, Satan imitates it. We also know that any time God does something, there's a man-made version uh, to that thing that he has done. We tend to accept that in most things, but when it has come to marriage, we really haven't contemplated, well, wow, is there a man-made version to this thing called kingdom marriage? And I say it is, and I call that a religious marriage. And so over the past few weeks, we've talked about the differences. We talked about the model of religious marriage is hierarchy, and the model of a kingdom marriage is relationship. We talked about the system that supports that model. We said in a religious marriage, rules, uh, rules, specific rules uh, for husbands and wives, uh, and, and just a, a, a specific uh, rules or, or instructions or, or doctrines are set in place to support that model. And then in the relationship model, it's the system of love. And part of that system of love are things like forgiveness, honesty. And we can talk about those things, but it's based on an entire system of love supports the model of relationship. And tonight, and then last week, we started talking about needs. And so I want to continue to talk about part two of needs. We said that religious marriage focuses on his and her needs, that is, they separate needs out according to gender, and kingdom marriage focuses on needs that are common to every kingdom citizen. So and as a quick review, last week we said the takeaways were religious marriage assigns, assigns a need to gender. That is, your gender, uh, there are gender-specific needs 
in the religious model of marriage. And then we said kingdom marriage addresses needs to common to all citizens. Then we also said that religious marriage appoints husbands and wives to meet each other's prescribed needs. So every wife has these prescribed needs, and every husband has a set of prescribed needs, and then they are charged with meeting each other's needs. The challenge is, what do you do when your husband or your wife doesn't fall into the prescribed set of needs? And there's immediately a problem. We're either trying to push that husband or push that wife to fit this prescribed set of needs versus having a kingdom model that recognizes this person as an individual and has the, has the bandwidth of love to be able to operate and relate to that husband or wife based on who they are not who religion says they are. And then thirdly, we said that, uh, thirdly, we said that in a religious marriage, meeting needs is transaction-based. You meet my needs, I meet your needs. Um, I gave you the example, or one of the examples was out of love and respect, and we talked about that uh, a little bit last week. It's um, uh, Emerson Egret's book, I think it was written back in 2004, where basically uh, I share with you where he had said at one point in the book that his wife accepted the uh, his wife accepted that her lack of respect equaled his lack of love. If that's not a transaction, then I'm not sure what is. In other words, if you respect me, I'll love you, and it could be vice versa. If you love me. If you love me, then I respect you. It's transaction-based, and it depends on each one upholding their end of the bargain. But you're talking about people. You're talking about human beings who are not going to always be predictable and do things the same way all the time. It's an unsustainable model. Religious marriage is unsustainable. And so this this week, in part two of me, part two of talking about needs, I want to give you two takeaways, and I'll go back and talk about them, then we'll pray. Uh, The first one I want to talk about is religious marriage focuses on felt needs. Kingdom marriage focuses on the real need. And then number two, religious marriage is need-centered, need-driven. Kingdom marriage is answer-centered. So religious marriage is need-centered and driven, and kingdom marriage is answer-centered and answer-driven. So now let's just go back and talk about uh, felt needs versus real needs. And so what I mean by felt needs is this. It's whatever a husband or wife perceives, feels, and expresses as a need or has been told their need. Um, They express this. Um, as their actual need. Um, and, I mean, it's real. You can, I mean, when I, don't, I don't want to use the word real, but it, it's felt, it's strong, it, it, is, it is perceived, it is, it is right in the eye of that particular husband or wife. Um, it, it, it's whatever one thinks his need is, that's what the need is. Let me give you a quick and relatable example, and then I'll go back and give you a real example between a husband and wife. The quick example is so you can quickly grab what I'm trying to say here. Let's say um, your son insists that he needs another pair of sneakers. He's worn out. I mean, he's worn you out with reasons. I mean, every day he's hitting you with why he needs to have this next set of sneakers. Um, and some of his reasons may even be legitimate. 
but he has a closet full of sneakers. And so one day you and your husband are washing clothes and you and your wife are washing clothes and one of you is washing, the other's folding. And when they get to their son's underwear, or they look at each other and say, God, this boy needs some underwear. So my question is, does a parent answer with sneakers or underwear? Well, most parents, I think most of us, I think I would make the executive decision and answer with underwear. Why? Because that's the real need, even though the son perceives, thinks he needs another pair of sneakers, even though his closet is full of what he's already asking for. Now, keep that example in mind, and let me give you some relatable examples with husband and wife. Let's just say a wife expresses the need for more attention from her husband. It's becoming a recurring source of conflict in their marriage. He doesn't spend enough time with me. I just need more of your time. I just need you to sit with me. I just need you to talk with me. The husband is either unable or unwilling to meet the level of need or frequency that she expresses to him or even the depth of that need. And in talking further with this wife, and she happens to be a former client of mine, I learned that she's the youngest of three siblings and was always the focus of the, the attention from family and friends. She is used to people attending and catering to her. So it's understandable that upon getting married, she would expect the same from her husband and the people around her, that he would attend and cater to her as she has learned and as she has acquired a taste for attention way back before he ever became on the scene. So she asks for it. She expresses it. She gets upset when she doesn't get it. The son in our example had a closet full of sneakers. This wife has a closet full of attention. Everybody catered to her. She was a little darling. She was the, everybody thought she was cute. She was the youngest. Everybody took care of her. She didn't work for anything. She had a closet full of people attending to her. So my question is, does she need more attention or does she need to learn how to attend to herself? Does she need more attention or does she need to learn autonomy or some independent skills, learning how to be by herself and be okay, learning how to attend to herself. See, every kingdom citizen is required to attend to him or herself. It's part of personal responsibility. So each of us have to learn how to sit with ourselves, sit with God, uh, sit alone, uh, be able to reflect on our own motives and our behavior, why we want what we want, to interact with the Holy Spirit around these things. It's part of growing up and taking responsibility. But also the king in the kingdom of God, that is Jesus, wants her not only to receive, to receive attention, but to learn how to give attention starting with him. He wants her attention. And so her husband's reason for not showing her more attention matters less than what she does when she doesn't get it. He may never be able to meet the demand for her attention. And God may not even be requiring him to meet the demand for her attention because God wants her attention. And let's just say her husband does, doesn't show her a whole lot of attention. It still doesn't change that her real need is to become a Mary at some level and learn how to sit by herself with Christ. So her husband's behavior both challenges her, provokes her, but also gives her the opportunity to think differently about what she's asking for and why and what God may really want. So I'm asking you, could this wife's real need be to develop independence? 
Could it be that God is answering her need to attend to him just like the parents answered the son's need by getting him underwear versus another pair of sneakers? Said another way, could this wife need to be delivered from self-worship? Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first, not attention, but my kingdom and my righteousness. The Bible says that if we stay our eyes upon him, he will keep us in perfect peace. And so my question is, sometimes her felt need was for attention. Her real need was to learn how to be by herself responsibly with God. So what she does when she doesn't get her husband's attention becomes very, very significant in her relationship with God. You know, I feel like when I give these examples, if I give one for the, the lady side and the wife, I also have to give one for the guy's side because if I do it too much either way, then it just feels like, oh, you're just harping on the women. You're just harping on the guys. And so I try to give examples of both sides. So here, guys, here's your example of the same thing, the felt need versus the real need. Okay, here we go. Let's just say a husband needs, and this is an obvious one, so don't beat me up on it. It's just a real relatable one. Let's just say a husband feels, feels he needs more sex. His wife's not giving him enough sex. And he also lets her know that. I mean, he's not mean about it. He's kind. He lets her know that, that he would enjoy to have more sex with her. He complains, and it becomes a recurrent source of conflict. But in talking to this husband, who was also a client of mine several years ago, I learned that he grew up in a sexually explicit world, beginning with looking at porn magazines with his brothers after their parents went to bed. He played sports and was popular with the girls in high school and college. Sex was plentiful. I mean, he was an athlete, you know, and, you know, everybody likes an athlete. And so he did not have trouble exercising his desire uh, or capitalizing on his desire for sex. When he experienced anxiety, he was honest enough to tell me that he would masturbate. And he admitted having a sexual affair while engaged to his wife. His wife knew about it. He repented. His wife knew about it. And they went on to get married. She forgave him and went on to get married. Uh, just under two years into their marriage, he tells her that he's unsatisfied sexually. And although the wife does have, does have sex with him, he never said that she didn't have sex with him. But she's unable to keep up with his desire uh, or, or demand or the frequency of what he feels and perceives he needs sexually. So both are frustrated. They love each other, but they're frustrated. So my question is, does this husband need more sex or possibly more self-control? Like the son who has a closet full of sneakers and the wife who has a closet full of attention, this husband seems to have a closet full of sexual indulgence or overindulgence. And he's gained quite an appetite, just like the wife gained an appetite. She has an appetite, and you've got to feed an appetite. She had an appetite for attention. Well, he developed and well-earned an appetite for sex. And so perhaps an unhealthy and ungodly desire, but is nonetheless an appetite for sex. So does he need more sex or does he need more self-control? Well, if we're in a religious marriage, hey, 
he need more sex. And, you know, your body's not your own. You know how we throw the scriptures around. Your body's not your own, and you just need to satisfy sexually. And we know how the story goes. But, again, is the real need more sex or is the real need more self-control? See, every kingdom citizen must learn self-control. It's a fruit of the spirit. First Corinthians 9.25 says, a true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel or a wreath that quickly withers. But we run a race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. In 1 Corinthians 13, 10, 13, the temptations in our life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you attempt it, he will show you the way out so that you can endure. It's interesting. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than conquer a city. His wife's lack of availability, or at least not able to meet his demand or desire for sex, or, or perhaps even share the same level of interest in sex at the rate that he does, um, is both challenging, but it's also an opportunity to think differently and more deeply about his sexual desires. Where did they come from? How did they get to this place? Is it pleasing to God? Is this what God would desire of me? What is it that God would have me to learn? His wife is presenting an opportunity. As difficult as it is, it's either a problem or an opportunity. Maybe this wife does need to grow in her ability and become even more available sexually. But even if that's true, it will not change his need to develop self-control. So could this husband's need, real need be self-control, which according to Galatians 5, and 23 is a fruit of, the, of God's spirit working in us? So could he need more of the spirit working in him to develop self-control? Could it be that God is using his wife's restraint, regardless of the reason, to deliver him from sexual perversion and idolatry because sexual perversion always leads to idolatry. It always does, and that's, that's the challenge. The refusal of her husband, the refusal of the husband and wife to consider their contribution to their need or accept personal responsibility for their needs, whether for the inordinate amount of attention or to sex, will lead to blame, abuse, affairs, and in some cases, divorce. In both cases, each one perceived and felt his or her need, and it was perhaps contrary to God's desire for them as kingdom citizens. And yet God used each one to provide the other what was needed, an opportunity to think and choose differently. You know, in religious marriage, we generally seek the opposite of what we need. Generally what you seek, and when you come into conflict with your spouse, there are two things, there are many things at play, but two things are at play. Your strength and your needs are always on display. They always show up in the midst of conflict. And if you can ever dissect your conflict, you will find that your strength is there and your need is there. And conflict, one of the reasons we have conflict, it's about getting our perceived needs met. We could go into that, but I'm going to stop here because I want to do this last one before we run out of time. Um, let me just say this. Books like Love and Respect, they teach husbands and wives to believe they need something that may or may or need something is perhaps in excess 
uh, and sometimes contrary to the kingdom of God. But not just to believe it, but also to demand it as a right and an expectation. Kingdom marriage focuses on real needs, common to husbands and wives, and our example, the son needed underwear. The wife needed autonomy or to learn independence or to be able to sit by herself and not be so dependent on her husband. And then the husband needed to develop self-control. In the kingdom, everybody needs a covering. In the natural, we talked about underwear as a covering, but we need emotional covering. We need spiritual covering. Every citizen in the kingdom needs covering, and every citizen in the kingdom needs to develop the ability to be able to sit by themselves, to be able to sit still and, and, not, and not be all over the place. We have to be able to sit still. We have to be able to sit by ourselves, walk by ourselves, and stand by ourselves because that's only when, we can, when we're able to do that then we're truly able to walk with another. And in the kingdom, every kingdom citizen needs to develop self-control. Let me just give you a last one. And perhaps the biggest problem with religious marriage when it comes to need is this. Religious marriage uh, is need-centered and need-driven. And the problem with that is unmet needs, they harness your mind, they consume your emotions, they hijack your will, and they dictate your behavior. Let me say that. The longer a need goes unmet and unsubmitted to the Lord, it harnesses your mind, it consumes your emotions, it hijacks your will, dictates your behavior. In order to do that, it has to lie to you. And when repeated needs, they become laws to us. And laws carry blessings or consequences. If you obey them, you get blessed. If you don't, you get the consequences. And you see that play out in marriage all the time. You know, you, you, see, you, you, you see these kinds of situations play out where when a need is met, everybody's happy. When a need is not met, everybody's unhappy. And sometimes it's like two-year-old kids throwing tantrums. It's absolutely, uh, just to watch it, uh, it's just amazing. And so, you know, gosh, there's so much that we could say. Maybe you can relate to this. It's late. You're hungry. And all you can think about is food. You feel the hunger pain. It's settled. You're going to get something to eat. But there's nothing to eat in the house. But you are so hungry. Your need for food is just driving you. It has harnessed your attention. Now it's consuming your, feel, your, your emotions. You're looking at TV and all the food commercials seem to come by. And then your will gets hijacked. Oh, I got to eat. And then it begins to dictate your behavior. You're settled. You're going to get something to eat. And despite the hour, despite the cold, you get up and you go to the nearest McDonald's and get something to eat. That's because hunger has harnessed your attention. It preoccupies your thoughts. It consumes your feelings. It hijacks your will. And finally, it dictates your behavior. You can insert any need that you have had in place of hunger. Just think of the biggest thing that you've been wanting, demanding, you feel like you really need from your spouse, you can insert it there. Um, because what happens when these are unmet or, or desires happen, they turn into lust, and lust have the force and the will to drive you to do things that you may not want to do. But you can insert sex, you can insert attention, the needs mentioned earlier when they don't get met. Unmet needs, they grow in strength. They don't go away. They just find another way to express themselves or get answered, whether it's false, uh, a false answer or a real answer. You're driven to get that need met. 
And as they do, it steals and captures your attention, preoccupies your mind, exploits your feelings, hijacks your will, and controls your behavior. James writes about it like this in James 1, 13 through 15. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God has tempted me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. It starts with your awareness of a need. What does religious marriage do? It makes you very aware of your needs. It's amazing to me, Adam and Eve weren't aware of their needs until after sin. Then they became grossly aware of their need, and, and specifically their need for covering and protection. So what did they do? They were driven to get that need met. They sewed fig leaves together and hid themselves or covered themselves. As kingdom citizens, our needs are met by the king in relationship with the king. You know, it's interesting. After uh, Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they were kicked out of the garden, and as I said, they became aware of their needs. The question is, what do you do? What do you do to try and meet your own needs? And when that doesn't work, who do you get to try and meet your needs? Religious marriage becomes a convenient way for you to get your needs met. It's all built into the whole model. It's just everything's built into it. You buy into religious marriage, you're guaranteed your needs are going to get met. It's all going to work out. He's going to provide. She's going to give sex. You know how it works. And then here's the other thing that happens. You know, religious marriage tells you, wow, it's better to marry than to burn. So if you want sex, just get married. Religious marriage promises you legal sex, sex, lots of it, because her body's not her own or his body's not his own. If you want to be taken care of, find a husband and get married, because religious marriage tells you that husbands will provide for you. And they do. They do. Some of them do, but some of them don't. Religious marriages promise you that you'll be taken care of. You know, one of the beautiful things when I met Chris and Brenda last week, she told us, she made it clear to Chris, and he was sitting right there. She made it clear to Chris. She said, I do not need him. I, did not, I told him I did not need him. I did not need his money or for him to provide for me. At the time, she was a single mother with two young kids. And I remember Chris saying, to, saying, he had never met a woman like that, willing and wanting and able to stand on her own two feet. She chose him. She didn't need him. She chose him. And they've been married for 28 years, and they have one of the most beautiful and seemingly genuine, uh, genuine couples that I've met in some time. There's just no pretense. They are just, it's a real deal. I, I love it. I love it. And then, see, religious marriage wants you to focus on your needs. Think of it like a bed sore. I love giving you visual examples so you can re- relate and grasp what I'm saying. But think about a bed sore, a pressure sore. It's caused by prolonged pressure to the skin, especially around the bony areas. A lot of times that will help happen to individuals who are elderly, but it could happen to anyone. I mean, if you're in a bed for a long time or, or disabled and, and have limited mobility, you can develop a bed sore. And an ulcer forms a hole, and it just eats through. Uh, and if untreated or it's resistant to treatment, the pressure sore can become infected, and it can call, it hurts. It commands your attention, and it, you could die. You could actually die. And so God has a vested interest in our needs being met. And so I just want to read this scripture and uh, 
just close out uh, in, in prayer. First Peter 1, 3, and 4 says, everything we could ever need and for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him, again, that's relationship, who has called us by name, invited us to come in through the glorious manifestation of his goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are in the world. Here's the good news. Jesus reintroduced the kingdom, and we that believe are kingdom citizens and in relationship, a life-giving, need-answering, need-fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ and the God of the universe. And like in the beginning, God desires us to lose our awareness of our need because the king has already seen fit to take care of what we have needed. Uh, man, kingdom marriage is answered center. God created the earth and all the things in it. Before ever, ever made man, he made what man would need before he made man. And God made what you need, husband or wife, before he made you and put you together with your husband. So the takeaways, religious marriage focuses on felt needs, kingdom marriage, Marriage focuses on real need. Uh, religious marriage is need-centered. Kingdom marriage is answered-centered. And so, Father, we just want to thank you tonight. We just thank and we praise you that we just accept and acknowledge that we are kingdom citizens. That, Father God, we have been birthed in your kingdom even as we accept and embrace Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I thank you tonight, God, for delivering husbands and wives from religious marriage. And, Lord, this whole, Lord, this need preoccupation, God, and seeing their spouse as the sole answer to being able to supply their needs, Lord. Father God, I just ask you in the name of Jesus, God, that the revealed word of God would dawn on the heart of your people, God. Lord, that in Jesus' name, you would lift the scales from their eyes and the lights would come on, God, and that they would seek your face and your kingdom like never before, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that they would resolve in their spirit that you have already met their needs according to your riches and glory. Father God, help them to see their real need and distinguish it from their felt need, God, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father God, in Jesus' name, that as they embrace the real need, that they will find the answer was there all along, Father. I thank you, Father God, that because you are the owner and maker of everything in this universe, God. You own the cattle on a thousand hills, God. You are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, God. Everything that pertains to life and godliness, Lord, is, is in you, Father God. And Jesus said it's finished. And so we come to you tonight, God, finished, God, knowing that everything is finished. Our needs are met according to your riches and glory. And we will declare this from this day forward that all of our needs, whether they're financial, whether they're emotional, whether they're physical, God, our needs are met according to your riches and glory. And tonight, God, we release you to reveal the real need of husbands and wives as they seek your face. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. 
Well, I just thank you so much. I don't want you to forget we're going to be in Dover, Delaware this Saturday with uh, Patsy Shannon. And before we end the call or after we do this portion, we're going to stay on the phone. Those of you can join us. We are going to pray for our success in Delaware. Uh, love for you to stay on the call and join us. We'll be in Dover, Delaware. That's this Saturday at 12 noon Eastern time. We'll be at 411 Legislative Avenue. That's in Dover, Delaware. And so we want uh, all of those that can to go ahead and join us um, if you can, if you're if you're able to do that. And then let's see, if you can't join us, if you can't join us, then certainly please keep us in prayer uh, during that time. If you'd like to support what we're doing and help us to go to the state, uh, uh, go to the state, and you want to invest financially, you can. You can cash at the dollar sign marriage reform. That's again, cash at dollar sign marriage reform. Or you can visit moreonrelationships.com slash joy. That's more, my last name, M-O-O-R-E, onrelationships.com slash joy. And always we receive your check at FACES, that's P-O Box 7511, Gainesville, Georgia, 30504. I want to give you the replay number before I do. Thank you so much for all of you who make comments on Facebook and push this message to those husbands and wives that need it. We couldn't do it without you. We appreciate you so much for doing that. Well, the replay number for today's call is 605-475-4980. The access code is 341-000-POUND. And the reference number for tonight's call is 84 pound, 84 pound. And don't forget we're on Spotify now, and so you can uh, hear any of these messages or the previous messages by going to the Spotify app or downloading it, and then just put in the search bar, Marriage Reform with Kim Moore, and it will come up. And you can listen to previous messages or part one on needs, I think, is already up there, and tonight's message will be up there uh, later on this evening. Well, again, we thank you so much for joining us. And uh, don't forget, share the message. Be free in Jesus' name. And we're going to stay on the phone and pray, so if you can join us to do that, then we welcome you to do that. And if you need to go, obviously, we love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. 